but uh, we're going to move on to today's scripture reading today, which comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 7 through 12 in the ESV, and we encourage you to find uh, that in uh, your, your Bibles. Uh, Bibles should be underneath you if you're here in person. Uh, if you're at home, we invite you as well to follow along. If you have your own Bible or Bible app, we will also project the scripture. Again, it's Ecclesiastes, which is going to be in the Old Testament, uh, chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us today. And if you're here in person, I guess you could do this at home if you want to too, but if you could stand as able uh, for the reading of God's word, and I'll read the scripture for us. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Right. We are continuing in our sermon series. Uh, This is our summer series. We're talking about happier, how we become happier. And I have to say, uh, you know, during uh, COVID times, maybe it has been at times an unhappy time for people. And, you know, we don't need to go into all the challenges of COVID. We know this so well at this point, having gone through it for a year and a half. But I have to say that it's not all bad for all people, you know. And maybe there's some people who actually kind of like being alone, you know. Maybe there's introverts that are like, this is my time. There's this tweet that I saw that I think kind of reflects this. It says, CDC, to prevent coronavirus, stay home. Avoid physical contact and don't go into large crowds. Introverts, I've been preparing for this moment my entire life. And even if you're not an introvert, an introvert is somebody who who gets their energy from being alone. Um, Even if you're not an introvert uh, and, and, you know, you're the kind of person who gets your energy from other people, you like being with other people, and maybe for the extroverts out there, COVID time has been especially challenging. But even for those who really like just got to be around other people, I still think it's been good for us to learn to be alone, if I may venture to say that. You know, and I am an introvert, and I have to say that there are are many, many stretches of COVID where I have really not minded being by myself. You know, that it's been, you know, I've been able to pick up some new hobbies, and maybe some of you have as well, you know. And I don't want to argue that, that there is this idea that being by yourself can be good. And, you know, I I do want to say that there is a difference between being alone and lonely, and I think we know that. And even if you like being by yourself... Maybe through COVID, <laughs> I think maybe you guys can relate to this. We've had too much time to ourselves, you know? And even for me, as an introvert, uh, I have to say there are times where I'm like, okay, that's enough, you know? And it's nice to have the option of being able to go out. But friends, um, you know, we do live in an individualistic society that I think maybe you might relate to this statement. 
I can do happy all by myself. I don't really need other people, right, to be happy. But there is so much in Scripture, and there is so much in human experience that, that tells us you can't be alone all the time, right? When God created the first humans, he, he looked at them and said, it is not good for man, it is not good for humans to be alone. And that's why he created us to have partners, to have people that we can share this life with, right? And, and, you know, that's one of the reasons why this time has been so hard, because we have been made for a community. We have been made for each other. But what do we do with this kind of contradiction? That at times, community can be so good. And other times, we're like, yeah, no, I just need to be by myself. You know, there, there's so many times where family is great and a blessing and nurturing, and other times where it's annoying <laughs> or even destructive, if I may go so far. Why is that? What do we do with this idea of this blessing, right? We're, we're talking about, yeah, you can do happy by yourself. You can be happy by yourself. But, to, but the, the sermon series is not happy. It's happier. That can there be something that we learn about community that will help us to be happier, to be more uh, fulfilled and to live more in line with God's will because I think that's God's will for us to live in community. But I, I want to talk about today as we go into the scripture to kind of like think about this. But why are there some people who, like, even though we've been wired this way, want to be by themselves? Why are there times where community doesn't work? What is it that makes it work? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's dive into Ecclesiastes chapter 4. And so you may know that Ecclesiastes, it's been attributed to Solomon, that he's supposed to be, you know, arguably the wisest person who ever lived, that he had a chance to ask God for wealth, to ask God for power and strength and great armies or pleasure or whatever. And he asked God for wisdom to be able to lead his people. And Ecclesiastes is, is, is it's, it's a very classic wisdom literature that talks about the meaninglessness of life. That I think a lot of us, we chase pleasure, we chase acclaim, we chase success, we chase all of these things, an enduring legacy that we build on our own, and Solomon comes to the, the conclusion that it's all meaningless because it all goes away. It, none of it lasts, right? He said it's like chasing after the wind. Right? You're never going to be able to get what you really want. And in this passage, in chapter 4, he talks about another kind of vanity. Verse 7, again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. And his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. I mean, Solomon wrote this thousands of years ago. But it's almost like he wrote it today. Because don't you see that? Like, I think America, as we mentioned, is a very individualistic society. We do have this belief in this myth that we can find happiness by ourselves, right? That, you know, this great individualism. In fact, we often think that other people are holding us back. I don't want to think about other people. I don't want to think about their well-being. It's just me. I got to take care of myself, right? I'm going to chase that cheddar. I'm going to chase my own pleasure, my own fortune, my own well-being, right? And we have this illusion that if we can just get off all the fetters and all of the restraints that other people put on us, that we can be happy. 
But as you can see, I, I think most of us have lived long enough to see it's not true. It's one of the great myths of you know, modern life is that we can do life all by ourselves and be perfectly fine. Thank you very much. And, and so, you know, Solomon talks about this guy or, you know, a person who is living their life, toiling, you know, and probably making buku, buku bucks, right? Because they're single and they don't have to, you know, pay for other people. They, they don't have kids, right? They, they don't have to pay, to, you know, uh, college tuition, you know, which is hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? He can just enjoy all the money on his own, right? And he's toiling, and he's working, and he doesn't even have family that he has to, you know, that, that are going to mooch off of him. And he saves all of this money, and Solomon says it's vanity. It's meaningless, which is what that word means, right? What is the point? Why are you making all that money? You don't even get to enjoy it with anyone. And for a lot of people, the irony is that people just keep working and working and working, and there is this idea that there will be a day when you get to stop working, and then you'll get to enjoy your life. When is that going to come? Have you noticed that retirement age keeps getting pushed back, right? And that people just keep needing to earn more and more money because just everything gets more and more expensive, right? Mortgages are going up, and like we said, the tuition is going up and all of these things. And it's just like, okay, well, I guess I need to keep working a few more years or I need to pick up another job or I need to get that promotion. And no longer is this an enjoyable thing. It just feels like you're on a, uh, what do you call that? A hamster wheel, you know? And you just keep going and going and going and you don't get anywhere. Solomon pointed this out thousands of years ago, right? It's folly, Right? And this idea of thinking of other people as your burden and not realizing that they are where joy comes from. So then Solomon goes on to say that two are better than one. Friends, I know on the surface, you probably heard this before. And on the surface, it sounds true. But really think about how we are living today. Do we believe that? Or there are times where you're like, man, you're holding me back. But Solomon talks about very practical wisdom. He says two are better than one. Seriously, think about it. If two, um, if, if they have a good reward for their toil, right? You can actually produce more. You can be uh, uh, way more successful and productive if you have someone else with you, right? And I think we know that. But not only that, but remember how he was talking about, you know, what good is it if you earned all that money yourself and you get to keep it yourself? Who are you going to spend that on? Who are you going to enjoy that with? And it says they have a good reward for their toil, and I think the reward is sharing it in community, right? And so this idea that two are better than one because it, it sort of like multiplies. And there is this principle of community that, that we learn about, the arithmetic of community. And, and so this is something that one of my pastor friends talked about, and it stuck with me for years. I probably heard him preach on this like, over 20 years ago, and it's something that I, I just keep thinking about when it comes to community, right? Think about it. In community, joys are multiplied, right? And so we talked about that. Two are better than one. You have a great reward for your toil that things seem to get amplified when more people are together, right? Have you ever tried to watch a movie by yourself? And it's okay, but watching with other people, so much better, you know? Have you ever, like, just listened to music on YouTube and, okay, that's fine, 
right? But you go to a concert so much better, right? You know, and we have this experience that you feed off of each other's joys. Have you ever played a video game by yourself? And it's okay, but you get those other people, and you're playing Mario Kart together or whatever. You're playing Overcooked, and you're doing this stuff together, and it's so much better, right? There is this amplification. You know, I, I, I watched, uh, uh, like, the same movie by myself, and it was okay. It was funny. But when I watched it with other people, I found myself laughing more. So it's not just, like, that's why we say multiplied. It's not added, right? Added is just, I laugh, you laugh, the laugh is greater, right? But it's multiplied because when I laugh, it makes you laugh. And when you laugh, it makes me laugh. And when I laugh, it makes you laugh. And we just ping pong off of each other, right? We actually find this. People have studied human faces, and they find that humans are great mirrors of each other. And so when you look at someone else's face... Right? And babies do this. It's very subtle. But when they look at your face, you ever see a baby smile? You know why they're smiling? It's not because they're just a naturally happy baby. It's because you're smiling. They're mirroring your face. And you're like, oh, look at your smile. And really, it's your smile getting mirrored back to you. Right? And, and they've, they've done all these studies where we don't even realize we're doing it. But when you watch a TV show or movie, you start mirroring the emotions that people are experiencing. That's why some people cry during movies. You didn't, your dog didn't die, in the, like in the movie, right? You didn't lose that person to whatever tragedy that was happening in the movie, but you're crying. You're crying because they're crying. You ever watch the live-action Lion King? It's a little weird. You know why? You know why? Because they're photorealistic animals, and they don't have facial expressions. So the normal cartoon, because they're cartoons, right? Timon can smile real big, right? And, and like, you know, you're seeing human expressions on these animal faces, and you're able to connect to it more, right? And this is the way we work as human beings. We mirror each other. We amplify each other. And so when you see someone in joy, and you connect to them, you see someone that you care about, and they got the job. Maybe you didn't get the job, but they got the job. And they're happy, and you're happy because they're happy, and then they're more happy because you're happy for them, and it just all gets amplified. That's the beauty of community. That's what we want. And then there is this other part, which is so beautiful. It's that sorrows get divided. And so going back to the scripture, it says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. It's one of the things that we're finding that make modern life so hard is that we are becoming so isolated that we don't have other people to help us anymore, right? It used to be that if you lived in a neighborhood, everyone knew their neighbors. So if you needed something, you needed, I don't know, a cup of sugar or something. You could go to your neighbor. If you needed someone to feed your goldfish or watch your dog for a couple of days, you had your neighbor. Nowadays, we got to pay some expensive person for $50 a night to watch our dog in a glorified jail for dogs, right? Because we don't have neighbors anymore. We don't have those people to, to take care of them. Yeah, have you ever heard the, the expression, it takes a village to raise a child? That's literally what people used to do. And I've seen that at church. Someone will bring their baby, and it gets a little bit hard, or that person wants to go get donuts, or that person wants to go fellowship or needs to use the restroom. What do they do? They give their baby to someone else, and that other person will hold the baby for a little bit. 
and take care of them. Nowadays, you have parents who are doing it all by themselves. If you have extended family, then they can take the kid for a little bit, right? We have this way of our difficulties, our sorrows, our, our, our hardships. They all get divided and they get easier, right? Because we're carrying each other. When you're going through a difficult time, when you fall down, and you fall down and you're in misery, and there's no one there to sympathize with you. There's no one there to encourage you. There's no one there to tell you that you're not a big screw-up. But this has happened to me as well. And somehow you feel as if they are carrying the burden with you. Right? We've all experienced that at times. We've all longed for that at times. But in modern society, with a lot of dissolution of community, right? a lot of the normal ways that we find community aren't there anymore. I don't have to tell you that churches are not, in general, I mean, there are exceptions to this, but not, in general, are not thriving the way they used to. They aren't a normal part of society the way they used to be. Used to be on a Sunday morning, you couldn't do anything because everyone was literally at church. It's no longer true, Right? And we're feeling the effects of that because we don't have other people to carry our burdens. And so he goes on to say, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? We need that. We need other people to not just warm us up like in a very physical sense like Solomon's talking about, but the idea that we just know we're not alone. Right? There's something really beautiful about that, of just not feeling the coldness of life on your own. Although a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken, right? So you're standing against an enemy, a difficulty, and you have another person standing with you. And then that last one, we're going to get into that. That last one's a little weird, so we'll circle back to it. But I want to ask you, friends, now I've, I've just told you all these wonderful things about community, things that I think a lot of us know. Why don't more of us do it? Why are there some of us who actually prefer being alone? There's this great song by Simon and Garfunkel that I think kind of captures this idea. Um, It's called I Am a Rock. And it's kind of a funny song because when you read the lyrics, it's very profound when it talks about the desire to be alone. Um, But it's very cheerful. (laughs) And so... Simon and Garfunkel, you know, they're this duo, and they just got, like, the guitar going on. It's, it's acoustic. It's like, I am a rock. I am an island. I'm not going to sing anymore. That's it. But I, I want to show you some of the lyrics of this song. So it says, I've built walls, a fortress deep and mighty, that none may penetrate. I have no need of friendship. Friendship causes pains. It's laughter and it's loving I disdain. I am a rock. I am an island. So this idea of wanting to be by yourself, an island, isolated, so no one else can hurt you, that's the problem, isn't it? In community, people can lift you up. People can encourage you. People can divide your pains. Or they can add to them, can't they? Right? If you have neighbors, then you have the possibility that they can also become enemies. That the person who's giving you blessings could give you curses instead. And we know that. And so when you have other people, you can have the good stuff. But you can also have the bad stuff. The hands that are used to heal can also be used to strike. 
And that's what this song is talking about. So this person, their desire is not to be hurt. It's not about the benefits of community. It's about the drawbacks of community. And because they felt the sting of that, as I think a lot of us have, they're like, you know what? I just don't want that. Maybe there are good things with community. It's too great a risk. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on this island where no one can bother me. And that's what we do in modern society. It's not that people all, all of a sudden decided that community was bad. It's we started becoming more afraid of each other. And so we start putting up fences, not because we don't like the idea of neighbors. It's because we want to keep out all threats. Right? And there is this idea. It's not just an island. The, the song is not called I am an island. It's called I am a rock. What is a rock? A rock is something impervious, something that just gets so hardened. He says, I, I am a rock, I am an island, and a rock feels no pain, and an island never cries. And so we become hardened, and that's what many of us have become. We become so jaded and jilted by the pains that we have experienced in community that we're like, nah, man, I'm, I'm going to become hard. I'm going to become callous. You cannot reach me. You cannot hurt me. I'm not going to let you. And so we, we just, right, like, like our hearts, the, the willingness to kind of reach out to other people, it shrivels up and it goes away, right? And so, friends, when we think about that, why is it that sometimes community goes that way? Why is it that sometimes when you're together with a group of people and you're all doing something, it's so wonderful, and other times where it's not? Well, I want to go back to some of the examples that we used before, right? Why is a concert better than YouTube? Or why is a concert better than a music festival? Okay, I don't know if you guys have been to a concert or a music festival. There's a distinct difference. Now, if you go to a music festival, and maybe it's not even like, I don't know, maybe you're there, and you didn't even know that this certain band was going to play. But they get up there, and they just, you know, whoever put on a venue... They wanted to give live music, and they get up there, and they start singing songs that you do not know, and maybe a style of music that you do not like, and there's a bunch of people who have never heard of that band. Maybe there's some people who have. There's one person in the audience who's singing at the top of their lungs, you know? I don't know. Maji Machorong. I know, Blackpink, I like Blackpink. Maybe I'm the only one at the you know, music festival, Blackpink's up there, and I'm singing at the top of my lungs, and my wife and my kids are looking at me, as they often do, and they're like, you like Blackpink? The heck, man? There's other people there. But what is the difference between if I, I'm not going to do this, but if I went to a Blackpink concert, and everyone's got on the colors, right? All the blinks are there. That's, that's, that's what they call themselves. They got pink and black balloons. And when they sing the song, right, everyone is waving their balloons at the same time in beat. Everyone is singing the song together. It's different, isn't it? Why? Because it's the same idea when you see that person cry, and you cry too. You see that person laugh, and you laugh too. You're vibing together. You're connected. You are in sync. And when you are in sync with one another, your efforts are multiplied. They're amplified. 
they, they, you, you vibe off each other, you resonate off each other, and it becomes a greater experience. I talked about the video games, right? You ever try to get your friend to play a video game that they don't like? They don't want to play the game, but you're like, come on, man, just play with me. And they're like, all right, fine. They just complain the whole time. They're not doing it right. They're not into it. They keep checking their phone, right? It's not the same as someone who has, is there and they want to play the game with you. They get into it with you. And you start talking trash or you start like experiencing the things together. Or, you know, you start trying to achieve the goal together. And when you get it, you both exult and you vibe off each other. You resonate with each other. You're there for the same reason. And because of that, it is so much greater. Right? And so, friends, it is about people coming together. Not just in the sense that you're in the same room, but in the same purpose. Church, right? I know I talked about the whole Blackpink thing. But Jason was talking about before service how, you know, maybe for some people, it's hard to sing at church. You know, this is the experience of, you know, when you go to a Blackpink concert, you know why people are there. I mean, they, they, they've already declared to you. They've they got the T-shirts on. You know, the moment the music goes up, it's, it's just simultaneous. Everyone goes in together because you know why you're there. But nowadays at church, and nowadays a lot of times in community, we don't know why people are there anymore. I told you that church has become something different than I think what it was intended to be. Church was a community of Christ, where we all came together kind of for the same thing, right? To connect to God and connect to one another. Now we come for all kinds of reasons. Maybe some of us, we came for a pep talk. We came here to hear a good word. We came here, I don't know, for free bagels. I don't know why you came. Right? But you may have come, and I did, you know, the classic one when I was younger is like, my mom made me come. <laughs> you know? I didn't want to be here. Right? And you, you ever worship in a room full of people who kind of don't want to be there? You know, a lot of people are on their phones. You know? And then when you start singing, you feel like an albatross. Right? You feel like you're just sticking out like a sore thumb. You're putting yourself out there and no one is vibing back and you feel stupid, and you feel almost, I, 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 I don't know if this makes sense, but you almost feel betrayed, right? You ever try to connect to someone? You make a bid for love? You know, I don't know, for those of you guys in dating relationships or whatever, you say, I love you, and they're like, oh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They don't fight back with you. They don't say it back. Oh, my gosh, it feels like a betrayal, right? Then you're like Simon and Garfunkel, like, I'm a rock. I'm an island. I don't want any of this anymore. It hurts too much. I put myself out there, and it was denied, right? I, I didn't receive it back. I was slapped or hurt, right? This is why, friends. And so when you see all of the examples that, Simon, that, that Solomon talks about, they are all examples of vibing together, of doing things with one another, right? That... Uh, uh, let, let's just go back for a second. The two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. They're doing it together, right? You're in there digging the pit together. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow, right? The problem is, is that we've been in communities and we've been in settings where someone fell and no one cared and no one reached out and picked you up. And you're like, dude, I don't want this. That it almost feels worse, right? That I fell and someone saw me and they ignored me. Not only do I have... A, 
a scraped knee, but now I, I'm a loser, right? Now no one likes me, you know, and I have the scraped knee, right? Doubly bad, somehow much worse than if I had just fallen by myself, right? If two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone, right? You get in that sleeping bag, come on, come on, and you're like, no, no, I want to be outside of the sleeping bag, right? We, to face that kind of rejection would be so painful, but if you come with the same purpose, it's so beautiful. Joy multiplied, problems divided. And so some of you may be thinking, but Pastor Steve, life isn't perfect like that. It would be great if we're all on the same page. What if we're not? Well, I'm glad you asked, because <laughs> what it talks about in Scripture, there's another way it gets talked about. And specifically, when it talks about um, Jesus. And so Jesus in the New Testament, remember Ecclesiastes, this is Old Covenant, right? But in the New Covenant, this is how Jesus talks about it. The fulfillment of the love that he came to share with us. This love that is supposed to be amplified. That is supposed to be shared in community. But so often gets rejected. So often gets rebuffed. And so often we get hurt by it even more. And so Jesus experienced that. Right? So this is what Jesus says in John 15. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. What is he talking about? It's the vibing. It's the synchrony, being in sync. If you love like I love, then we're all going to be golden here, right? Because we're going to be vibing with each other, right? If, if I do what the Father commands, then I'm vibing with his will, right? This is the kind of community that God wants, right? And so he says... These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. There it is. Happier. The happiest life is to be lived in community when we love one another as Christ loves us. Oh, man, it's so good. If you've ever experienced that kind of community, there's nothing better. This is why I get up in the morning. This is why I keep coming to church. This is why I can't give up on Christ's community because when it works, it works. When you see people just sacrificing for one another, when you see people putting one another above themselves in this modern world where everyone's looking out for themselves and yet we reach out to those who are struggling, we help each other up. Oh man, it's so good, right? And that's how our joy can be full. And then Jesus says this, this is my commandment that you love one another as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. It's prophetic, because that's exactly what Jesus does. He lies, lays down his life for his friends. And I have a question for you. Who are Jesus' friends? Who are these wonderful people that's so easy for Jesus to love, that he would give his life for them? They were, in short, imperfect human beings. You had Peter who said, swore up and down that he would never, never leave Jesus' side. And Jesus is like, really? Because before the night is done, you're going to deny me three times. Peter's like, never, never. And he does it that very night, denies Jesus three times. I don't know the guy. Talk about a betrayal. In Jesus' most difficult time, when he's arrested, what do his disciples do? Do they come to his side? They all run, all of them. These are the people that Jesus has loved in this way, right? He has given his life. He served them. He broke bread with them. He bled for them. 
He died on the cross for them. He got down on his hands and knees and washed their stinky feet. And, you know, we're like, okay, but Pastor Steve, I mean, that's Jesus, right? Yes, that is Jesus. I want to come back to the scripture where we saw, you know, that weird thing at the very end, right? You see two are better than one. You know, if, if two uh, lay down together, they can stay warm, right? Uh, two people can oppose an attacker, right? And you see two, 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 two. And then at the very end, it says, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. I first heard uh, a, a pastor friend of mine talk about this in a wedding sermon. It was actually the same pastor who talked about the joys being multiplied. I, I just, it, it was very memorable, and I never forgot this. It was one of the best wedding sermons I ever heard, where he said, do you notice that you got two, 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 and then you get to three? And if you actually try taking a string and try making a rope out of it, it doesn't work. You take two strings and you wrap them around each other and it's going to get unraveled. The only way that a cord can stay together is if you have a center string that you wrap the other two strings around. And that is the love of God. Friends, in this modern life, we are trying to make community happen by our own goodness. But the thing that we know is that we're not perfect. We make mistakes. We have bad days, right? Sometimes we hurt the people that we love the most. And what you see in the example of Jesus is Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And actually, if you look at the next verse, he says, you are my friends because you do what I say. It's an extra burn, guys, (laughs) because they don't perfectly do what he says. But this is what the disciples have done. They've showed up. They've come to the table. They've come to be in relationship with Jesus. And yes, they ran away. But you know what? They come back. And you know what Jesus does when they come back? He doesn't go on an island. He doesn't go on a rock. Or he doesn't get revenge. When Jesus comes back from the dead, he comes before them and he says, peace be with you. In other words, I forgive you. That's what Jesus does for his so-called friends. Right? He shows the kind of love that we are not able to have ourselves. Remember I told you about the black-pink example. When everyone goes into community at the same time, it's easy. But what's hard is being the first. Being the one to reach out your hand and say, will you love me back? Will you do this with me? Will you play this game with me? Will you watch this movie with me? Will you go camping with me? And there is always the fear of rejection. But in the love of Christ, there is someone who's reached out to you first, who's come out before you and said, I will love you no matter what. All you got to do is take my hand. And you're going to do it imperfectly. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. But I'm never going to let go of your hand for my part. That is the love of Christ. And friends, if I may amend Ecclesiastes, it is not that we are just wrapping our lives around the love of God. The love of God is wrapping itself around us. And that is what makes it possible for us to be in Christian community. We come back here and you may get betrayed, you may get hurt, you may get rejected, you may get laughed at or mocked, but we have the grace of Jesus Christ where we can keep forgiving. We can keep giving it another go because 
guess what? There are a lot of times where it's not just that someone hurts you, you hurt someone else. And it's hard to come back. It's embarrassing to come back and say, dude, I screwed up. I had a really bad day, and I said some things I shouldn't have said. And I know some people who've made mistakes in church, and they never come back, right? But when we come back, what we are supposed to find is the grace of Jesus Christ. It is what beckons you back, right? I am not a perfect guy. The only reason why I can be in this community for as long as I've been it is the grace of Jesus Christ that keeps forgiving me, that keeps enfolding and reaching out to me. So friends, let's reach back. Praise team, can you come up? Friends, I don't know who needed to hear this message today. Maybe you've been a little jaded by community. Or maybe just, you know, you feel a little bit out of the, 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 the group, so to speak when you come to church. You don't know as many people. Or maybe that's intimidating. Or maybe the thought of pressing deeper into a community of Christ is a little scary. You know, you totally relate to the Simon and Garfunkel song. You want to be the rock. You don't want to get hurt. And yet, we know we are created for something more. Our lives are fuller. Our joy is fuller. When we can connect and vibe with other people together, in the same sort of love and really what it's all meant to be where it originates and where it ends is the love of Christ let's just take a moment to meditate on that and maybe that's hard too because you come before Christ and you know you're not a perfect person can you just receive the love of Christ he is here the grace of Jesus Christ is wrapping you and enfolding you he will never leave you You come to community and sometimes you feel more alone than if you were by yourself. But the truth is, God's love, God's presence is right here with you. It will never leave you. It will never forsake you. It is beckoning you. Will you come back? Will you give it another go? Will you extend yourself as as I've extended myself to you? It's worth it. Community is worth it. Relationship is worth it. Come and enjoy this relationship with me. And then by extension, with one another in this community of Christ. God, I pray for anyone who's been hurt, anyone who's feeling jaded. May they know that you are right here with us. Through all the fires of life, through all of our imperfections, you will never leave our side. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.